0: Blessings and best wishes, love and grace. Reggie Hubbard here. Practice makes purpose. Episode ten. Right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Delighted to be here with you. Delighted to be um, alive, honestly, uh, and delighted to be in conversation with my sister Onika. Like um, when I when she said yes to be on this show, um, I was just stoked because like. When I met her, I was like, this sister's so dope. But like, anyway, like, part of the reason that I, um, wear my hair out today and the reason that I'm a little bit late is because, like, if y'all saw the, the teaser, like, Onika's hair is so lit and beautiful. I was like, yo, I gotta have my hair out today. So, Onika, this, 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 um, blowout's for you. <laughs> exactly. Like, I knew I had to come correct. Oh. Like the reason that I'm late is <laughs> my hair. I had to get my hair right. <laughs> you are too funny.
1: <laughs> oh my kidding. God. You, think, you are too funny.
0: You think I'm kidding? Well, first of all, like this is episode 10. I was like, I got to do something different. Then I remembered like the teaser. I was like, oh, it's going to be all Afro and delightful. I, I love my Kango, I love brand integrity. But, like, I love, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got to have the hair together. Like, it's nowhere near as, like, Uh. delightful. But I'm trying, you know? I'm trying.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. It is so good to be with you. I have been looking forward to this forever.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, so we'll just dive into the space, like before, a couple of announcements. So for those of you who are here, episode 10, uh, we got about one or two more episodes because y'all know good things don't last forever. And plus, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. So like, we're gonna end with a bang. Um, And uh, I'm starting on own practice just because I'll always forget if I don't say it, like on the 20th of September, I'm beginning my first 200 hour teaching experience. So delighted to be a lead teacher. In the so it's like active peace meets power yoga, so it'll be physical, but it'll also be y'all know me well enough to know that like it's going to be mental and spiritual as well because the physical practice is but one aspect of the entirety of the practice. So let's just go ahead and get into it, my dear sister. So, first of all, I love that you are a weirdo like me in Uh many ways. So, Uh weirdo, like yes, you have a brilliant yoga practice, but you're also. On the Dharmic path, as well, so please tell me how in the world did you become like yoga Buddhist or Buddha Yogist or like what like whatever how how did that manifest for you?
1: Oh gosh, and let me know is my sound okay because I can <laughs> take these okay, perfect yeah, so i don't know how it started. I think part of it is just because of how I was raised. Mm. Um, I was raised by you know parents, I come from people who are socially conscious and aware, <laughs> and when I found yoga. Um, it really transformed my life. Yeah. Um, I was not in a great place when I first really dove into the practice very heavily about a decade ago. I just felt kind of spiritually bankrupt. Um, right. And I ended up back on my yoga mat and wanted to share. And right. I felt like because it changed my life, whose lives can be really impacted. And I was talking with a, a cousin and, and jail came up. and okay. so And so... You know, I wish I had a sexier story, but I just sort of was like, "Yeah, you know what I should teach in jail and right. and then I did, and then I felt called okay, and then, and uh, then I was like, "I need to be here. this is where I need to be, and things just kind of unfolded from there,
0: yeah, I love that and see uh, so just you said that you wish you had a sexier story, sometimes like simplicity is sexy, you know what I'm saying like sometimes. Mm-hmm. So oh, I was talking to somebody, and then they said this, and this happened, and this happened. So like, <laughs> just don't like, we are enamored as a society of complexity. You know. Yep. If so the true. Taught us anything? It's just like it's okay to be simple. hmm So I, for one, enjoyed being at my house, like super chilling, um, for the better part of eighteen months. I know for some mm-hmm. people that caused a lot of pain, but for me, like as someone who has been in the guts of like political struggle. Um, I needed to be super simple. So like, instead of being on planes and trains and automobiles and conference calls and strategy calls and all this other stuff, for me, like there was a sexiness in the simplicity Mm -hmm. uh, of of the past several. So like, tell me a little bit more. So you said that you felt called to teach in jail. Like, how in the world does one end up teaching mindfulness and yoga at Rikers Island? And for those of you that don't know Rikers, like let's just say, if you look up hardcore prison, in the dictionary or Wikipedia, like Rikers right? is there? Like
1: it is. <laughs>
0: <It's> like... Yeah, <laughs> my bad. It's New York,
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know. First of all, I've been going to the island as like a, as a volunteer since the moment I became a yoga teacher. So these kind of things happened at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think because I felt fortunate and I started teaching a lot of yoga, like I was teaching full time from the moment that I became a yoga teacher, which I know is super unusual. And I transitioned from a whole different kind of life. Like I was like in retail leadership for a really long time, Mm -hmm. selling books for like almost 20 years. Mm so when I started teaching a lot and volunteering on the island, um, I just was really passionate about the work.
0: Mm-hmm. And, the,
1: and Rikers decided to pilot a program around wellness. And they asked me if I wanted to interview. I thought it was going to be a part-time gig. And I had already had like five jobs at the time, because you know you can't eat as a full-time yoga teacher. Um, so you know then they offered this full-time position where I would get to work one-on-one with people. Um, I know. I know. It's like the dream, right? It's the dream. When you start teaching meditation and you, or, or yoga or whatever the practice is, you, you want to get into that juicy stuff one-on-one, but you're always in these group settings. And so here was one of the most notorious institutions um, saying, Hey, do you want to, do you want to try to do this? Like one-on-one and, 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 I work for New York Health and Hospitals, which is the, the, the agency that manages the, the medical um, for folks who are detained on Rikers Island. So I work one on one with people anywhere mm-hmm. from like 10 minutes to sometimes even 30 around all kinds of practices. We can talk, right. we can sit, we can do yoga, um, we do pranayama, so it can really vary.
0: Right. And I am, um, so you, for, for those who don't know, Anika was, was originally a spe- a scheduled to come on a month ago and she's like, yo, um, can we postpone? I have a chance to sit with people in solitary. And I was just like, you don't even need to ask for that. So tell me, <laughs> tell me and tell us a little bit more, like what is it like to bring practice to people who have been in solitary in general, but like at Rikers?
1: Um, it's sad. Yeah. It's, it's sad and it's heavy. Um, I'm sorry, I'm outside, a a siren's going by, which I think is confirmation of what I'm saying. (laughs) Um, So it's called punitive segregation housing at Rikers. So, yeah. And technically they say it's not solitary, but people are confined um, for just about most of the day, with the exception of being able to come out for an hour for rest an hour for like a group activity and to shower. So um it, it's 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 pretty solitary. Right. And um the 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 jail where I work um it's it's sad and it's heavy the smell is awful um and depending upon the day um there could be screaming like lots of yelling. Right. Um and the officers as well like we can't leave out the officers cuz there there are officers who um may struggle with certain things but there's also some officers in there who are some real solid people who are also just um shell-shocked as well um and so people can come out and they're they're usually handcuffed and shackled to a table so it's not like i could do a a yoga class where you could have to move your arms so we sit we talk a little um and i come with handouts lots of times uh, you know because there's nothing to, to read really, right? Um, and and then I always have to like say a prayer when I'm walking out and when <laughs> I'm walking in because um, it's not fair, it's not right, and I have to hold me feeling so angry about it and at the same time feeling grateful that they let me go to, to do that work, right? Um, there's an acupuncturist who comes who also does, um, uh, so she shows like pressure points um, that people can work on. So it's, and a little, um, uh, Qijong, so that can happen as well. Mm. Seated, Um, but it's heavy and sometimes there's conversation. Um, but, but not like when I work one-on-one with people.
0: Right. And t- tell me more. So how, so for the, the reason, the name this thing is called practice makes purpose. Um, and the reason it's called practice makes purpose is because of what you just said. And I think, you know, me well enough to know that, the reason that I've been in tricky situations is because my practice has allowed me to hold space yep. for, for complexity. Mm-hmm. Right? A lot of people and you and I both know because we're peripherally or, or like in the middle of worlds where people don't want to talk about this stuff or let, mm-hmm. for is an exercise um, in physicality, not in, in, in love and light. And I said it recently and I say this, I'll repeat this. I am not part of the love and light brigade. That's not my jam. You know what I mean? Like, you know, as a Black man in this country, like things have been very dark for me Mm -hmm. that most people can't understand. And we are in dark times. So love and light in dark times means nothing. Yeah. You know, to me, it fulfills the Buddhist, like principle of delusion, like Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because of suffering. You know, and and you're willfully deluding yourself because you can't deal with things as they are. Like that, why are you practicing yoga? Why are you Mm -hmm. practicing? If it's escapism, like there are better ways to do that. Um, so, tell me a little bit more about like how your personal practice mm-hmm. allows you to hold space for your work.
1: I do. I do a lot of sitting in this area of gray. When I first started going in, um, I, I was I was a little reductive in my thinking, to be honest with you, Reggie. Like I saw officers as bad and people who are incarcerated as people who needed, you know, space held for them. Yeah. And, and, and why wouldn't I think that way? You know, I'm black, I'm queer. Um, I, I, I know what it is to, to feel that, that heavy sense of oppression. So that's what I really walked in with. Uh-huh. And, and, and quickly found and realized that um, I had been bypassing some of my own feelings around what does it mean to walk the walk of compassion for, for all of these folks. And and that's not, that took me a long time to get there. But I think because I do practices like meta, which yeah. I used to think were spiritual bypassing, but what it really allowed me to do was to look at somebody who was a stranger and see them and see their eyes and realize that they were walking their own walk. And who was I to judge anything that they were going through, whether they were an officer or whether they were a community member who'd been incarcerated. Right. And I needed to sit in that that discomfort. Yeah. And on some days, I don't know how to make sense of it. And some days I'm angrier than other days. Some right. days I'm so pissed when there is an officer who I'm really angry with. Some days it's really struggling with some of the violence that I see folks who are incarcerated and in, like, inflicting on each other mm-hmm. because I, I, I want people to, to feel this deep sense of compassion for themselves and see it in each other right. and it's not my job to put that on anybody. So I have to, I have to breathe. I have to sit in compassion. I have to sit in stillness and allow myself to wrestle with it. Because if I can't wrestle with it, I can't walk through it and I can't hold it. If I can't hold it for myself, how, how the hell am I supposed to hold it for anybody else?
0: That's the realist, right? And you know, that's um, for, those, like, for those who watch this either live or later, I want you to sit with what she just said, right? Like, you know, we are in times where we have to wrestle with complexity. Right. There are people who willfully ignore science. Right. There are people who are willfully ignoring public health guidelines because of my feelings or whatever. Um, and that's not going to go away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So how can your practices be able mm-hmm. the ability to hold space for that complexity? Right. Like there's no there's no bypassing how fucked up things are right now. Like there's no bypassing that. Like, there's no love and lighting to that. Like, there's no oming out of that. You know, I was with a friend of mine yesterday who I just popped up on um, my social media post yesterday. As was like, when, when was the last time you just checked on someone just because? was because yeah. I gave a friend of mine a just because visit. And he was like, yo, like, you really helped me out. I was like, yo, like, I, like you're going through some things. Like, I want to sit in these things with you because mm-hmm. we're in together. And, and I made him laugh because he was like, Yo, Reggie, you know, you just keep it super real. I'm like, I, I stood in tree pose and I was like, Me, if, me, if I stood in tree pose, does that make me feel any less like nervous about the coronavirus? Like, no. But <laughs> right, he just bust out laughing. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, I got you laughing, but like, that's real. So, like, the physical <clears throat> has its place. But mm-hmm. it, I you know, c- hold space with the complexity of mm-hmm. our life right now, like and like that I think is essential. So let's talk about that complexity. How are prisons in the era of coronavirus? Right, like you know, like we, we, we forget <sighs> about um these people behind bars anyway. Like, what have you seen in your work? because um, I remember a couple months ago you you could not get in. Yeah, and you you were sad about that and holding space. Mm-hmm. Like now that you're back And so
1: talk about all of that so let's so let's talk about we were just talking about complexity we can talk about my frustration over the amount of officers at the doc who are refusing to get vaccinated. the vaccination percentage for doc um, officers hovers at around thirty three percent here in new york uh, um, and it's really frustrating or or even members of staff who are are, are not or not getting vaxxed and me having to have conversations with folks around who are incarcerated around the importance of the vaccination and just talking to them about it and and asking questions about what what their concerns are and confronting a lot of the myths so it has been incredibly frustrating because so many people that I work with who are locked up got sick they were sick and I was so happy to see them alive when I got back to work And then confronted with, but I'm not going to get the vax because why would I get the vax? And having to have those conversations, but they're surrounded by so many people who they think bring in news from the outside around the vax. So it's like it's it's constantly combating that, and it's so frustrating. Um, For a long time, when I first came back, people weren't wearing masks regularly, and it was um, infuriating. Right. Like infuriating, um, wanting to to yell and scream, like, what are you doing? And having to balance that. It's one thing to talk to staff, right? A civilian who's not wearing a mask. Right. When you start pushing back on officers, it's a very different, it's very tricky, right? You are, you, you because I essentially kind of turn over agency of myself when I go to work every day. Like, yeah, we sure. can say that I'm a civilian, but that's bullshit because if I push hard enough, I'm going to end up there too. Like, and- right. I mean let's like let's let's be real about it, and then w- what could my actions impact folks that I work with every single day, which yeah. is my bigger concern. does somebody not come do they forget to bring somebody down to come see me? I don't know you know most of the officers who I work with are unbelievable people, and yet there's all of these things that and when when you become part of a system um, when you're part of you know for lack of a better word, a brotherhood um things things shift things change and and i don't always know what i'm dealing with um so i need more people to think about the vax i need more people to mask up i need i need to know that our our, our new governor um is going oh, to right. ensure right <laughs> cuz that right. happened cuz that right. happened <laughs> right right <laughs> there's nothing yeah, right you could forget about it cuz there's so much going on right <laughs> So right. that our new governor, who hmm. really seems that she is in support of bail reform and supporting that folks who are incarcerated, whether in prison or in jail, have access to the vax. Because right now in some prisons, um, they're supposed to be vaxing. But I don't know if it's, that's happening consistently. I, I read an article a couple of days saying that that it wasn't. So sure. Sure. that is that is what it is like right now. It's 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 frustrating. I feel like. um. I feel like people think that I'm I'm crazy because I I, I believe in science,
0: um, right?
1: Yeah, I will no, talk about it anyway.
0: No, I appreciate you sharing that. And I appreciate you sharing the frustration because, like, again, the the yoga world and you know you and I are both in yoga world. This world, like, people do not want to talk about. Oh, like I'd rather not be upset, huh? Like you, like you can't. T- in my mind, you can't say the word bodhisattva and like comfort, like you don't know, mm-hmm. like comfortable being uncomfortable, and take the peace that you find in the cushion and your practices into the most ridiculous situations. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a, on the cushion and be like, oh, so, um, uh, unless you're a monk, I don't see no one in no monastery. Like, And that's what I've been saying in some of my my, my training courses that I've been in. I was like, I don't see none of y'all, like this is not a monastery. This is a virtual sangha of each of us in our lives, like talking about how do we become socially engaged, like being socially engaged. Stop it, yo. Absolutely. I
1: found, I found the practice because I was losing my mind. I needed the practice because of everything that I was dealing with. To try to think that I could bypass that away is to miss the point of dealing right. with right the chitta vritti that that's the mind stuff. Right. Why would you want to to skip over that? Right. that you, you're missing the whole point.
0: Right. And I can tell you, like, um, someone told me this recently. Um, they were like, you know, Reggie, you're the reason I think you're a good teacher is because you keep it real. I was like, the reason I keep it real is because I've been through some things, man. Right? And like, and, have, and to your point, have used my practices to navigate these things, the alchemy that the practice offers you is wisdom, right? So you go through mm-hmm. these things with the discomfort, and then you can talk about it because you've worked through it, as opposed to, I'm just going to say something over and over again. It's not even a mantra. Like, like, like people bypassing is not mantra. That's delusion. It's avoided. Mm-hmm. Those are two different things. Right? So like, I use mantra. To like allow myself to be at peace in a situation, or to bring my mind to a level of calm to encounter discomfort.
1: Mm-hmm. It happens all of the time, um, and 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 I see it all of the time, and I and I constantly confront it, and it makes people uncomfortable. Um, and there's no there's no way over something except through it. That like there's just not. Because all you are doing is avoiding the inevitable, which is causing more suffering. You ultimately cause yourself more suffering when you don't deal with the things in front of you. And you can't know, you can't get to that place of joy. You can't get to that place of peace until you look at all of the stuff around you, the darkness, the heaviness, because it is a part of life.
0: It is. Everything belongs, right? Yes can't hold space for everything then you can't hold space for anything right like to me that's that's the so let's talk about like the other thing that of, of the zillions of things that you do <laughs> like tell me about the embodied philosophy conference like mm-hmm. I, uh, your thing like about it being an inside job mm-hmm. was the dope, right and like your cornell west experience so talk about <laughs> all of that
1: so I, I said that um, spiritual activism is an inside job, and I believe that it 's an inside job because I think that individualism in this country has us fooled into thinking that we can sort of look to external sources for other people to get stuff done. We want you know charismatic leaders to sort of pick up the ball and carry it and sort of save us all from all of these things that are happening, and it has to be really big and real like make a big splash when the reality is, if I sit with myself, and if I look at the parts of myself that I want to fucking avoid, because they make me really uncomfortable. But if I sit with them, and if I hold them with some tenderness, that's big, that's a big deal. That's the work that changes everything. And can you imagine if three people a day did that if sat with themselves for five minutes and looked at a part of themselves that was uncomfortable? We would be moving differently and communicating differently. And I think we have to let go of this idea that leaders are important. We need them. It matters. But I think we hand off our ability to create change in the world because we think that we have to attach onto something external to get it done when we can get it done here. And it's so powerful when we are tender with every single part of ourselves. We see things differently when we do that. So that's why I think that it's an inside job. And I don't right. mean that in like no pain, no gain. I mean, it's, it's holding parts of ourselves, it's being tender, it's deciding to rest, it's deciding to speak up, it's deciding to have a boundary, it's all of those things. Absolutely. So to be able to talk to Dr. Cornel West about all this was like, <laughs> what, what? It was a dream come true. I cannot uh, you tell you. Uh. <laughs> I was living my very best life for about ninety minutes, and right. he hopped on beforehand, and we were talking, and he said, "You know what? Let's just talk. Let's just like, like... like, you just lead him. I'm gonna follow you. Like, we'll like make some jazz." And I was like, "What is he saying right now? Like, what is happening?" <laughs> and and it was amazing. It was amazing because he is so generous with his spirit, his heart, and his wisdom. And we were just able to talk about everything. And one of the things that I think he said that was so important is is learning to love people imperfectly with our own imperfect hearts. And I Mm -hmm. think that is such an important thing. As we move through more dark, difficult times, how can we do this in a way that allows us to make space and see somebody even when it's challenging? And it right. doesn't mean we let people run over us. It doesn't mean that, you know, we're not good with our boundaries, but, but how do we find that room? Cause we need to find it in ourselves so we can start to find it in other people. I Even love- if it means like, no, you need to stay over. I'm gonna love you from over there, but <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna still love you.
0: Right? right. Right. I love that. Especially in the context of cancel culture. I mean, I think like i am decidedly generation X and that like, i'm not going to cancel nobody i'll be like yo i don't agree with you word all right peace like like mm-hmm. I, I, that is like more generational than anything um but we can't cancel the darkness right we yeah. can't cancel and you know to, and to to tease out something else a little bit more is that cancel culture is tethered to a puritanical perfectionism that is the DNA, the the dastardly DNA of this country. That puritanical perfectionism allows you to think that you're better than somebody because they made a mistake that you may not make that mistake, but you tell them you don't make no other
1: mistakes? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That was a big part of the conversation that I really appreciated about Dr. West. You know, I think it, it, it's really only been in the first, the last five or six years that I, I've allowed myself to to talk about this work from a place of love. Oh, um, wow. but uh, it, it is, it is, it's new to me, um, because I think I was used to coming from a place of being um, combative um, yeah. in a compassionate way, but it was still combative. When, when really all in my heart, I just wanted to say like, I see you and I love you. And that somehow to me felt like weakness or bypassing which is why I had to sit with myself and do my own inside job of being right. tender with myself. So I can say like, no, in an environment that tells me not to love myself, loving myself is an act of resistance and revolution. And now I can see that. And that comes from a place of power. And I feel like when I, when I did the, the embodied philosophy conference with Dr. West and we had that talk, he gives such language to love as a politic, right? That it's right. that it's a powerful way that we can come together as a collective, whether it's f- through music or yoga or poetry or dance or simple conversation with two folks who who see each other as siblings, you know, in this journey. However, we do, you know, like that's that is something that that if I think if we push people out all of the time, it, it's not a collective anymore. And we, we right. have to find that we have to find it.
0: You know, I've I've heard, um, and and what you mentioned is a good transition point to to, to our next thing. Is like, well, the the the, the <laughs> wisdom collective is the next guru,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And that wisdom comes from our differences, not from our similarity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, and it, holding that loving space, it's holding that deep, open-hearted, like closed mouth to some extent. Like sometimes the most compassionate thing you can say is nothing, right? And just allow things to be. Um, but like, it's that ability to see someone as they are hold loving space for them and then allow them to be as they are instead of trying to be like you don't have to fix anybody like to you to your point it's an inside job i have to take care of myself and sometimes i cannot take care of myself by myself i have to take care of myself in the context of someone else because like if i'm wrapped up in my own stuff then like i can't give myself the grace and compassion that sangha can give right That that community can give but mm-hmm. if the community is on some scarlet letter, has to print bullshit, then like, there's no way that we can offer the healing that's required in this moment.
1: And it will all impact us if we keep doing this, right? Like, right. we will all be impacted by this idea of pushing everybody out. And, and, I, and I do believe that that doesn't mean we can't have accountability, because right. accountability is important. We that- need that. We, right. we need that, and we need healing. We need so much healing, individually and collectively. And I do believe that collective care is is self-care, right? Like, when we take care of each other, we, we have the space to take care of ourselves and realizing that I need to do this work, but I can't do it by myself. And right. understanding, but we don't have these conversations enough, but I do think this is where we're going. We are starting to do more of this. And I think, People people do want to hear more about the work that I that I do now. Before, no one no one really gave a shit. They didn't like, oh, you teach yoga in <laughs> in jail. That that's weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but weird in a way. You know, I mean, I'm a black dude, plus size black dude that teaches. Like, especially people in our community, like that's weird. I'm like, yo, can you get weird like me, yo? I like, know. Please get weird like me. It's to exactly. your benefit. Exactly. Weird like me. Mm-hmm. Like, because the level of, like, self-compassion and, like, the reason that I've been able to hold all the crazy spaces that ancestors have pushed me into is because I did that inside job.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's ongoing, right? Like, it's, like, it's secular. Like, some days I feel like a rock star and then other days it's really heavy, you know? And... Then I and and but every day, just to your point, I do lean on my ancestors for that guidance and and what I've studied for that on you know around for guidance as well. I was talking to um uh Raj Belkarin uh last week or, or two weeks ago about the idea of seeking right and and what does that look like because I don't have a particular lineage right. I, I feel like the course of my journey and it might be because I am I'm black from enslaved ancestors that I have always been looking for something to tether me. And, and how can I tether? And so I've, I've enjoyed studying Buddhism. I've enjoyed studying aspects of Hinduism and Judaism and Christianity. Um, and, and, and I think cobbled together a practice that, like, is this larger collective of humanity that really right. sustains me. It really sustains me and I think is so important. And I think we need to talk more about that, letting people in.
0: Right. And to that point, like what what would you say to people um, in the yoga mindfulness space who don't think that yoga, mindfulness, and social justice belong together like mm-hmm. things that would prefer not to engage in conflict or confrontation? What would you say to that
1: then I think they 're not practicing yoga or mindfulness because the very idea of you know the very idea of of yoga and mindfulness is to be with what is happening right now at the present moment and the present moment, we're doing some shit. (laughs) Can we, can we say it? Yeah. Right. We are here right now. Right. And so to not be with that is to not practice. It's not practicing. If you're not with that, like you have to sit with everything and meet it with tenderness and to meet it with compassion, you are not practicing. One of my favorite mantras is loka, Samasta, sukhino Bhavantu. May all beings everywhere be happy and free. And a lot of people use that to bypass, right? And say, well, wh- why, can't we just folk- why can't we just say that and want it to be true? And I think the mantra itself implies that it's not true for everybody or we wouldn't have to say it. Right. Because we have to say it means that some people somewhere are not. That's the practice. It's right. allowing for all of that and understanding that, and we say that we want everywhere, everyone to be free. Well, then we need to do some stuff to make sure that they get free, and we can't just chant Om and be hopeful that it happens.
0: Right. I love that you said that, and you know, I'm going to tease that out again for 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 people that for those in the back that didn't quite hear that is that like to say may all beings everywhere be free from suffering means that it is not the case, right? And if it is not the case us wishing it were so is the same as doing nothing. Mm-hmm. You have to do something, right? You, you have to get in the way, you know, like find a way to get in the way, like, as Elder John Lewis would say, like find a way to get in the way so that the suffering of others can be, like the thing I love about the Buddhist circles that I've been in is that, you know, may the merits of our practice be of benefit to somebody else. Exactly. So that means that you have to do something. Mm-hmm not just like, I'm gonna sit here and pray and just like, God will take care of it. If that's the case, then God, Goddess, whomever, would not we wouldn't be here mm-hmm. if we're the agents of change.
1: <clears throat> yeah, and the thing that gets in the way lots of times is our own self, right? Yeah. And, and that, that is where that inside work starts to become important. Like what do I need to get out of the way in myself so I can show up in a way that I need to, that's going to be powerful. Right. And even if it's small and that I say powerful, but it doesn't have to be big. We sometimes think also, and I think, I think particularly here in the United States, we think that bigger is better when actually, when you learn how to exhale, right. And let something go, that's big. That's right. a big, powerful deal.
0: Right. And when
1: you can do that for yourself, you show up differently in the world and you move differently.
0: Right. I love that. And, and I've been teaching one of the blessings of my teaching practice is that I teach non-traditional communities. So mm-hmm. I, you see public schools and like union workers in IOTC. Um, and the most powerful thing I've taught both of those audiences is a deep breath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Simple, but not easy.
1: Exactly. Right?
0: Exactly. Easy. And that, that, and I mean, not like, like, Pranayama, where you hold for 12 and all this other stuff. I mean like two seconds longer, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like super simple. Um, well, we knew this was going to happen. so we, <laughs> We've run out of time to some extent, because yeah, it's Instagram, right? So we, like, we know y'all's attention span, we know that, right? So let's just keep it real. Uh, <laughs> how can people support you? And is there anything that you want to promote? Um, mm-hmm. We'll hold space for that.
1: Yeah, you know, if people, you know what I want to promote? I I offer um, a meditation on Mondays um, at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And if people want to come on, it's short, it's sweet, and and we just gather together. I want to promote that because I I believe that the more that we can sit together, breathe and exhale and and create community, um, we can ripple out change in the world. We can.
0: Right. And so where do people find that?
1: They can find that on the link in my bio at Omnika mays on instagram and it's okay. on zoom
0: all right yeah cool well i am um, i'm delighted to have spent time with you i look forward to like um being more purposeful in our connection um and i i mean you see all these um singables behind me i'm going to mm-hmm. play one to close us out because my gift it myself. Um, so I, I recently resigned from Capitol Hill for, for now. So, so for those of you who know me as like the political dude, like I, I left the hustle. I didn't leave the game. That's right. OK, I left the hustle. I didn't leave the game. Right. So, so understand that. So these bowls have given me the wisdom to take deeper breaths to create space so that whatever I do next, is rooted in wisdom, not like reactionary thinking or those sorts of things, right? Because no, reactionary thinking is neither yogic nor Buddhist, nor is it healthy, mm. right? So, if you wouldn't mind leading us in a breath practice out, then I will toll three times, and then we'll be done. Okay.
1: Oh, I'm so grateful for everyone who was on. So. You can let yourself get comfortable, lay down or sit up tall, but just find a space where you actually think you're really leaning into nurturing yourself. And just, just exhale, just sigh everything out of your mouth. Take in the sounds that are happening around you and just let it all be there, nothing to fix or change. And just notice how you're breathing right now. Nothing to change there. And then I invite you to slowly breathe in through your nose for a count of two, so inhale for one, two, and then exhale for one, two. And just on your own a few times. We are all breathing in together and breathing out together. Air that has been breathed from our ancestors that we're breathing now. And if you'd like, you can just continue with that breath and and place a hand on your heart. Maybe sending out wishes, thoughts, us gathering here today. May those who can't take a deep breath and feel comfortable, may they have the space to breathe, may they have the space to be, and may they be free from all suffering. You can release your hand in your lap, or if you're laying on the floor. Thank you all so much and uh, ashe, and so it is.
0: Hmm. And may it be so. Well, everyone keep that tall spine if you're upright, shoulders back and down. I will toll the bell four times. And as the bell sounds, have the sound just wash over you and imagine it cleansing away anything that gets in the way of you giving yourself love, grace, and compassion, as Sister May's mentioned. So two clearing breaths and then I'll toll. In through the nose, exhale clear. In through the nose, exhale clear. tender and sweet mm. all those who cross this video either in, in live or on, on recording be a, be blessed by our efforts love grace and peace to all next week we'll have um, fat kids yoga club to talk about body image because that's another aspect of the practice we need to consider um, Onika Mays please check her out on Instagram I'm O Global and until next time love grace and peace ashe
1: ashe so it is